we've been talking about the pyramid for a few days now as a way to uh, keep track of or organize the contents of your yogi toolbox. So we know that at the very base of the pyramid, we just it really begins with a question. And the question is what? As in what's happening? It doesn't even have to be conceptual. When you ask what, what's happening? Well, I don't know. How would I know? I'd have to check. And if I do that, I can feel this body. It doesn't even need words. Just above that, you could add a verbal label. And adding that verbal label is what I mean by noting. So I'm making a distinction between noticing and noting. Noting uses words. That uses language. That's on a ladder of abstraction, a little more abstracted than just noticing. It's noticing that's doing the work. You don't have to note. You could go your entire life and be a very successful high-level uh, yogi, meditation master, and never note. So the reason you would note is just to keep you on track. It's really just a tool to keep you on task while you're noticing. Noting and noticing aren't the same. So things that we're going to be presenting from now on are, are building, uh, building out this structure, giving you more options. And, and really, this will be this space is infinite. Think of all the techniques and conceptual frameworks that you could stick in there. Uh, and this is where the pragmatic dharma idea comes into play. You're going to use the stuff that works for you, toss out the stuff that doesn't. So think of everything we're offering here as a, a gambit. It's, it's uh, try it out, come and see. Ehipasiko. Yesterday, Vincent presented a very simple and elegant uh, frame with one axis, one horizontal axis with concentration going to the left and investigation going to the right. So at any time, you can, you can find out where you are on this kind of a spectrum. And you can use this idea to dial it in. What would be the Goldilocks zone in any given moment? Vince pointed out that this changes day to day, week to week. I would add moment to moment. In any moment, you can wonder where you are. Are you in the Goldilocks zone or not? Are you too investigative which will tend to go along with being anxious and agitated? Or are you too concentrated, which would tend to go along with being dozy, drowsy? And you can dial it in. So building upon this theme, I'm going to give each of these its own axis. And I'm going to show you another way to model this that I think you might also find helpful. 
put concentration on the x-axis. All right, concentration on a horizontal axis. The more you go to the right on this picture, the more concentrated you be. You can be completely absorbed in the, in the object over here to the right. Over on the left, you're not very concentrated at all. On the vertical axis, the y-axis, we have an investigation. The higher you go on the, the y-axis, the more investigative you are. So now we have a two by two matrix with four quadrants. All right, so let's imagine what if I'm not very concentrated and I'm not very investigative? What quadrant would I be in? Lisa, call it out. Lower left. That's my normal state. I'm walking around not very concentrated and not very investigative. This is a default modern human state. All right, what if I'm noting, I'm not concentrated at all, but I'm noting, seeing, thinking, uh, coolness, pressure, seeing, what quadrant am I in? Upper left. I'm investigative and I'm proving it by noting, but I'm not concentrated. Okay, what if I'm deeply in jhana and I'm not investigating at all. I'm just zoning in this, this super concentrated, beautiful state. What quadrant am I in? Lower well, right. So hard jhana. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about this. There, there are some systems that emphasize hard jhana. And by that, I mean completely absorbed to the point where you, you don't even, you're not even aware of thoughts. You're just blissing out for hours at a time. I think Pauxita's system is, I can't remember if it's two or three hours, right? It's three hours. You have to be three hours zoning in bliss without having a thought to, in order to pass muster with Pauxita to have ever attained jhana at all. That's a high bar. So we can appreciate that for what it is. This is the, you know, Olympic class nut job jhana. <laughs> so the, if, I were to, if I were to criticize that, the only downside there is that it doesn't really tell you what jhana is. It doesn't let you understand that, that jhanas have flavors, as we saw last night, that are recognizable even at low, at low levels of the flavor. So to 
uh, to give a, a parallel or a metaphor. If I put a bunch of strawberries, ripe strawberries in a blender and, and grind them up, we have pure strawberry flavor. Uh, and you would all recognize it because we all know what that tastes like. If I uh, dilute it with half water and, and spin it up again and you taste it, you'll absolutely know that that's strawberry. It's not like it's not still strawberry flavor. I can dilute it by half again. I can dilute it by half a dozen times. You'll always know it's strawberry. That's how to understand jhana. So Power Excited, I was talking about pure strawberry puree for three hours. <laughs> but this this system that I'm that I'm uh, offering, uh, I will argue will allow you to contextualize Pauk Sayadaw's system. You'll be able to see where that fits in if you understand that a jhana is a flavor of experience. The other, it doesn't work in reverse. If you are an aficionado of Pauk Sayadaw, nobody has jhana except the guy who can do it for three hours. So I, I think I like my system better. <laughs> my system doesn't even preclude Pauxido system. All right, so let's see. Within the the probably most well known uh, Theravada Buddhist system, we have a couple of well known models. One is the four jhanas. Let's And another is these 16 insight knowledges, the progress of insight, the famous progress of insight that Mahasi Sayadaw, building on the Visuddhimagga and, and even earlier texts, uses to describe the hierarchy of development leading to stream entry, and then again at second path, and so on. Now, if you look at the progress of insight, you find that the, the 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 top five numbers 12 through 16 are either uh, nirvana, which is the absence of experience. So we're not going to deal with that right now, or um, review. So we're going to talk about the first 11. These are things that we can we can experience, and just like we did last night with jhanas, you could access these insight knowledges and report on them in real time. Let's see. Okay. In, uh, it was about the earlier mid-90s, I was in 
Rangoon at uh, Sadamaranti Yekta in, in, with uh, Saida Ukondala, and I reported to him that I had been, uh, I was able to recognize during the day and during a sitting some of these states, some of the characteristic flavors of the first insight knowledge, knowledge of mind and body, for example, or the third insight knowledge, knowledge of uh, the three characteristics. And I told him that something curious had happened, which I didn't know how to understand, that I, I found that I was able to conjure up these states. Now, at that time, I'd been used to thinking of insight knowledge as something cognitive or emotional, cognitive or emotional insights. Well, I, I gained insight into mind and body. I gained insight into how uh, impermanence, not self, and and, uh, and dukkha uh, work. But there's something I didn't get about this. So when I, when I explained this to, or when I reported to Ukundala, I found I was able to call these up. And he said, oh yes, any jhanic state, once it's been experienced, can be called up. So I, I pondered that for a day or so. And I thought, what did he just tell me? He told me that jhanas are jhanic states. The insight knowledges, the first 11 insight knowledges are jhanic states. Armed with this, we can, we can directly line up jhanas and jhanas. This is the same map. The first jhana corresponds to the first insight knowledge. And, and so why? Well, remember that four, that uh, the four quadrants? If I'm very deeply concentrated in that jhana, I don't get any insight knowledge from it. I'm just absorbed in it. If I ratchet up investigation in that same state, I glean the insight knowledge, the cognitive and emotional insights that are available at that stratum of mind. This is going to apply all along the way. The fourth insight knowledge is the arising and passing away of phenomena, very important developmental phase. Corresponds directly to the second jhana. Same thing. You become absorbed in it. We're going to call it a jhana. Bring investigation to it. It becomes an insight knowledge because that stratum of mind contains that nugget cognitive and emotional insight. The fifth insight knowledge is called dissolution, which is exactly what it sounds like. It feels like everything's going away from you. Your phenomena of body and mind are passing away as you're, as you're experiencing them. If you experience that as a jhana, it's very chilled out, very diffuse. Very blissful. Third jhana. Investigate it. It's the fifth insight knowledge dissolution. Now, the fourth jhana. You remember I said the characteristic emotion of the fourth jhana is equanimity. Well, it shouldn't surprise us that the eleventh insight knowledge, which is called knowledge of equanimity, directly corresponds to the fourth jhana. 
why did it happen in the first place that somebody talks, talk, why did somebody ever talk about four jhanas leaving out seven? These are, this is a subset of the 11. The four jhanas are a subset of the 11, culled from the original 11. And so why? What do they all have in common? Well, they're all pleasant. Those are all very stable states that, that you can access and groove on. These are not. The, the others are not. For example, the knowledge of the three characteristics, the third insight knowledge, is notoriously unpleasant. Often when yogis get in this, this stage, they, they feel like they're backsliding. I was doing great on the first day of the retreat. Now on the third day of the retreat, this is horrible. I feel sick to my stomach and, I, and I, I'm fidgeting. I can't get comfortable and I want to leave the retreat. I'm backsliding. Why can't I go back to where I was? Because where you were is developmentally earlier than where you are now. You don't need to go back to that. You need to flesh this out and see what's next. This is the this uh, package of insight knowledges six through ten. These are the dukkhanyanas. These are all awful. <laughs> we call this the dark night because it, it seems to correspond to what St. John of the Cross wrote about in The Dark Night of the Soul. Uh, you become very spiritually advanced, and, and St. John was a contemplative yogi, Christian. Uh, and then suddenly, uh, you feel like your, your life is falling apart. So you got to this place of dissolution at the fifth insight knowledge, which and it was all fine for a while. Oh, it's very blissful. Things are passing away, fading away. At a certain point, one of the things that's fading away is everything you think is you and everything you care about. And that's, that's scary. So you get to the sixth insight knowledge, which is fear. And that's unpleasant. So you get to the seventh, which is misery. You get to the eighth, which is disgust. You get to the ninth, which, which, is, which is desire for deliverance. In Christian terms, Father, take this cup from me. And in the tent, it's called reobservation. It's just a, a rehashing of all this unpleasantness with extra added crap from the tent itself. <laughs> now, about the time that you somehow manage to stop fighting about it and just let it be what it is, you can be in equanimity whether things are unpleasant or not. So that's something shifts, something shakes around up in there in your head, in your brain, and you get to equanimity. If we can do, if we can complete the four, the four jhanas, is that equivalent to having completed the progress of insight? You could uh, have all four jhanas in a very absorbed way without having brought enough investigation to complete the progress of insight. So the answer is, if you complete all four jhanas, which means you've completed all 11 jhanas because you brought investigation into it, yes, that is, that is the progress of insight. Now, there's one little extra thing that happens uh, beginning with the 12th jhana, which is that you access nirvana or nibbana, uh, which um, is a kind of punctuation event, which locks in. This is when we will say you have stream entry.
but generally speaking, yes. You just need to do these four jhanas and investigate them, and you will be a stream enterer. Now, what if you spent most of your time in the upper left quadrant of, of that picture, which means that you're not very concentrated, but you are very investigative. You're walking around distracted all the time, noting distraction. Well, that's dry vipassana, dry insight. That can lead you through the whole process as well. So what's happening there is you might look, you might report, I've never been in a jhana in my life. I have no idea what you're talking about, but that person can still be a stream enterer. That's a, that's a hard road to hoe, but that happens. You can do that. So what would upper right be? Upper right, I would be very concentrated and very investigative. That's ideal. You would definitely want to do that. <laughs> Thank you, Eric. So if you can do that, do that. Get very concentrated and, and bring your investigation to bear. What is going on? Oh, well, let's see. This feels really good. This is pleasant. Pleasant. And you'll feel that little bit of pull to, yeah, but I, but I don't want to talk about it because it's messing it up. So, so, but if you want to stay investigative, you'd want to uh, overcome that. All right, but let me talk about it anyway. <laughs> it's pleasant. It's flowing. I feel good. I mean, all if all it is is that you're you're blissing out and knowing that you're blissing out, then you're bringing investigation to uh, deep levels of concentration. Last night, when we're going through the through the guided meditation of the jhanas, I don't know if you noticed, but you could have heard a pin drop in here. It was silent. Well, I'm assuming that a lot of you, or all of you, hopefully, were having a, 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 an experience similar to the one that I was having and describing. Well, notice, I was in it, and I was talking. I was describing the experience I was having. That's the upper right quadrant. You can do that. It sounds like I'm contradicting myself because I've been saying that, that jhana is, has nothing much to do with awakening. And here I'm saying that the progress of insight is all about jhana and investigating jhana. Right. The progress of, of insight has nothing much to do with awakening. If you want to awaken, that would have to happen now and you wouldn't have to wait for the progress of insight. You just have to notice what's going on now without any agenda. In fact, as long as I've got this agenda, and I know about this because I spent decades doing this, <laughs> to make progress on the progress of insight, then what am I saying to you? I'm saying anything but this, I have to get to the point in the future where I'm a stream enterer. That's the opposite of awakening. So the progress of insight, uh, notice if the progress of insight is uh, the, the insight knowledges, which are the same as the jhanas, and if jhanas are meditation track A, where the project is to achieve a certain state, then it's not track B. Track B has no such agenda. This is your chance. I mean that very literally. 
This is the only experience you have ever in the world. It's now. And that's any time you remember that. Any time you say, I'm so discouraged with the progress of insight and the jhanas. When is this going to happen for me? Then you can ask yourself, yeah, but what about now? That's the joke. That's that. That's the. That's really getting the joke. So, so can you go through the entire progress of insight in the sitting, and can you find yourself in the eleventh insight knowledge slash fourth jhana without having noticed the previous? Of course, yes. Okay, so sometimes when you get to the equanimity jhana, you feel kind of stuck, like this is it. Yeah. <laughs> so what's happening there is you're layering on the map. You're saying, well, but I, I'm pretty sure this isn't the thing I want. It's not stream entry. Uh, and, and I would say that that idea itself is creating the, the issue. It would be possible, by the way, to be awake, as I'm defining it in this very simple way, while you're in the equanimity jnana, it would also be possible to be in the equanimity jnana whining to yourself about how you're not awake. <laughs> and it, it might even be, um, there's certainly a lot of mystery here. We don't really know how this works, but it might be that it's the ripening in the, in the 11th jnana that somehow um, gets you to that, that punctuated moment of path and magapala, path and fruition, uh, that signal stream entry. Practically speaking, I would think that's the way to do it, just ripen there. Stream entry uh, in the Mahasi Sayadaw system is that moment that from the well-developed equanimity jnana, jnana number 11, you... Uh, uh, have a moment of uh, what's called a cessation, a cessation of, of experience. You have a moment of no experience whatsoever. It feels like a little blip out, uh, which in and of itself, while you're in it, you wouldn't notice because that's like there's no experience there whatsoever. But upon emerging from it, if it's stream entry, sometimes people report something like, oh, was that it? But this, things feel different. Sometimes people, sometimes this will be very noticeable to people, and they'll maybe walk around for a couple of days in a, just kind of laughing in a, a little bubble of, of joy. Oh, I got it now. I, I've really nailed life, which doesn't last, but, but that's what can happen right after stream entry. Now, for some people, depending on just how they are and depending on what their expectation is, they might kind of not notice it go by. Because after all, so much new stuff is happening in your meditation practice all the time. How do you pick out these supposedly salient experiences from the, from the others? So it has something to do with what my friend Ron Crouch would call, are you a rounder upper or a rounder downer? For a rounder upper, Every mosquito that bites you, that's the biggest mosquito that ever walked the earth. For rounder downer, I don't know, I had a little blip. Felt good for a couple days. So what?
So the question is, what when we watch this, uh, when we actually observe what goes on, how does it shape up in people's experience? Do you do you work your way up over a period of years to level four and then never again see these first three? No. In practice, what happens is in every sit, you work your way up to the to whatever your temporary ceiling is. So let's say you're let's say you're at level three, and you haven't yet gotten to the arising and passing of insight, arising, arising and passing away of phenomena. So you have a little bit of a temporary ceiling here in three, third jnana, and then you you're bouncing up against it in each sitting. You're going up and down among the three that are available to you. At at some point you you access the capacity to also notice the fourth the the fourth level. You access the fourth stratum, you glean the insight knowledge that's available there, and now that one is within your repertoire, and every time you sit, you're up and down through these four. There's one thing that can happen in a review phase after stream entry where uh, you've gotten stream entry, and every time you sit down, you find yourself in the fourth jnana. You're, you don't, you're not aware of having been in these these first three jnanas, and for all we know, you weren't, or maybe you just don't notice that, or maybe you get to the fourth so quickly because you're all primed, having just gotten stream entry. That's what I call reviews, review phase A. There's also review phase B, which actually develops later, where you're all up and down through all of these, and you can have cessations at the top of the mountain here, and rather than being teleported back to the fourth, like you do in review phase A, teleported back to the fourth, back, work your way back up to 11, teleported back to the fourth. That's review phase A. Mahasi writes about this. But in review, review phase B, you can have a bunch of cessations and not leave the 11th jnana. And then you can work your way back down and back up. It's a more, it's a more flexible review phase. When all of that gets integrated, you've been a stream entry for years, uh, you, you have access to all of this, and you'll find yourself going up and down through it at various times during the day. Very important to, to notice, whenever we're geeking out on these models, this is a model. Sometimes it seems to make sense, and sometimes it seems like astrology. So keep, keep in mind, it's a model. Okay, what I'm, if for, I know I use a lot of confusing terminology, but when I say meditation track A and meditation track B, everything we're talking about as Mahasi Vipassana is in meditation track A. In other words, all of this jhanas, jnanas, getting progress, it's all meditation track A. I want to get to something, so I'll have something. Meditation B is simpler than that. It doesn't do anything like that. It's only just now. What's going on now? I'm checking. Oh, this. We, we can't map meditation track B. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, 
you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.